Welcome, everyone, to the latest edition of the Graw Pod. I'm your host, Doug Graw, here again today. I'm excited to be joined by my two friends and colleagues here, Gary Randall, Steve Youngquist. Welcome, guys. Hi, Doug. Glad to be here. Hey, Doug. How you doing? Doing well. Hey, today we're recording this towards the end of November. We're coming up on Thanksgiving week. Everybody's kind of obviously in the middle of holiday stuff. If there is such a thing still as a fall peak, we'll say end of peak, but just tons of stuff going on right now in our clients' worlds and in the trucking logistics world. One of which relates to kind of looking at 2023, budgeting, planning, so forth. For a lot of companies, they hopefully are done with it. But for some folks, they're still working on it. And one of the things that, that's always a significant part of planning and budgeting for the next year is people. What's going on with our headcount? What do we need to do to either add some folks to help some folks develop and make some improvements in their career for some people to kind of go up the career ladder and so forth. And in particular, as we head to perhaps what might be considered a little bit of a softer market coming up, I think a lot of focus on what we're doing in ops, what we're doing in business development when it comes to people. Do we have the right people in the right seats? Do we have them focused on the right things? Because we need to be a little bit lean and mean right now and and really hitting on all cylinders to get through a softer freight market. So I'm curious, Gary, from your perspective, this time of year, as you're starting to think about your planning for 2023, how do you evaluate or what are some things that go into your thought process of, hey, I think I need to add some bodies next year or a body next year, or I need to make some changes? How are you looking at your team, so to speak, going into the next year? I think we always try to look at it from answering four questions. What is it we're trying to accomplish with this ad? Why do we need that ad? So what, why, when do we expect to have that person up and running and actually contributing? So that's the when portion and then who, and the who gets into, is it going to be an internal promotion? Is it going to be a lateral move for someone internally? Or are we going outside the company to try to find the talent? But I think if we can answer those four questions, that goes a long way toward justifying any ads that we're thinking about. And I think those four questions are critical to making sure that you're being a good advocate for the need, but you're also being a good advocate for the company spend. And you're making sure that you're staying within your ratios and your budgets. So as you think about those questions, how do you balance the need to not just look at what's right in front of your face? Because you might be thinking to yourself, I really need somebody in planning. I need them tomorrow. I need them to be up to speed and hitting like crazy versus actually, but what might be really good for the organization is to get someone in operations and really develop them in all aspects of the business and really grow into a future leader. How do you stop yourself from just being focused on the immediate pain? Well, I think today's work needs to get done. So you have to make sure that your ratios are supporting what it is you're trying to do. So if there is immediate pain because someone unexpectedly left the organization, then you've got to be able to deal with that. If we're talking about more strategic development of staff, we always have had good luck with taking our leaders and moving them from one leadership position within the operation to others. So for instance, if that young up and coming leader has spent a lot of time on dispatch or fleet management, it's nice to be able to get them into the shipper or customer service side of things. It's nice to be able to get them into the planning side of things. 
And that kind of a schedule requires a couple things. It requires some thought so that you understand the when question. If you've identified who, you need to be able to understand the when question to get that scheduled. But it also requires discipline to stick with it. Because oftentimes what happens is someone who's very good on the fleet side almost gets boxed into that fleet side. They're so good that the company decides they don't want to move him or her out of that position. So you've got to be disciplined to fight that. If you believe that you're developing a good leader from within, then it's your obligation as a manager or as a director to make sure that you're getting them the experience they need on all different facets of the operation. Long-term, if you don't do that, what you're going to get is, first of all, your operation is not going to be as strong as it could be. But secondly, you're going to get a disgruntled employee because that person's going to start to realize that, hey, I am kind of boxed into this role. I'm good at it. And because I'm good at it, they're kind of penalizing me and not letting me develop more thoroughly as an overall leader. Those are a couple of things. I think you've got to be conscious of the need today and you've got to deal with that. And then for the long-term planning, you've got to be disciplined enough. Once you've identified the person, once you've laid out a plan for their development, you've got to be disciplined enough to stick with that, even though sometimes the daily need will make you feel that you need to deviate from that plan. Steve, I'm curious from your perspective, when we're talking about the business development world, a lot of carriers and logistics companies are at a size, they're at a level where the business development team is pretty lean and really involves people who have other jobs. They could be the owner who also does business development work. It could be the person in charge of operations who also does the business development work. How do you look at whether or not to bring in or when to bring in that person who's really going to be primarily focused on business development? It may seem counterintuitive to be thinking that going into a soft market, but maybe that is the time to be looking at that. Doug, that's a great question. And I think that as we take a look at business development and this time of year, when we're focusing on what are we going to do in the first quarter, second quarter, and you look at the people that you've got, you really need to take a look at who's available. Hopefully you're looking internally and you're seeing some good candidates there. And I like to take a look at what the culture is of the whole company and the operations and sales side. As you look at business development, And why do I say culture? There's an old saying that says, culture eats strategy for breakfast. So that means you can have a great plan. The numbers are there. The strategy is there. But do you really have the right people that will support your culture? You need to take a look at a couple different things when you look at culture. Does the person that you're looking to focus on business development, do they get it? Do they understand it? Do they want it? Do they really want to be able to be involved in that? And then most importantly, do they have the capacity to do that, to be involved in developing the business short-term and long-term? And I like to look at those individuals and break it down into a couple different components. Take a look at their work ethic, their initiative, their integrity. Certainly, there's going to be some decisions involved, and you want to make sure these people have high integrity. Do they make sound judgments? And really, what's their ambition? Are they just in it for a paycheck? Or do they really want to improve your business and themselves personally? I think those are great insights. Gary and Steve, what I hear both of you talking about is, is something I know that we've heard a lot in our career paths. I know a lot of people talk about is kind of right person, right chair. I think something that gets overlooked a little bit in that right person, right chair is there's a lot of focus on the right person. There's not as much focus on the right chair and designing the chair. And let's get rid of the cliches and just say what I'm talking about is job design. So you might be thinking to yourself, hey, we need someone in business development. We need somebody in planning. We need somebody in dispatch, whatever it is. Hey, tell HR we need that. 
they could just use the existing job description. Okay, if you really know your job descriptions, maybe you can be that efficient. But to me, every time you're looking for new position is an opportunity to look at that job design, look at that job description and say, does this accurately reflect what I'm looking for out of this person? Does it prioritize the right things? Does it prioritize the right attributes and skills and so forth that we want? Does it have the right scorecard that we're using and so on of how we're evaluating this person? Because we want to make sure we're designing the right chair before we go find the person. Now, every once in a while, you might find the person you really want, and then you have to go design a chair. It can work in both directions. But the point is, to make sure they mesh. Don't just force any old person into a chair and don't force any old chair onto a person that you want. I think that's absolutely true, Doug. And I think the three of us that are on the podcast, Greg, who's helping us produce the podcast, we're all sports fans. So really the analogy is, are you putting the right player in the right offense to be successful? That's something that companies sometimes are good at thinking about. And sometimes companies really struggle with that. Companies, it's easy for them to get hung up on the fact that this is our job description, period. And it's been the same job description for that particular role for the past two decades. Well, if you think about, for example, in the way that we communicate today versus the way we did five, even 10 years ago, it's vastly different. And so the skill sets are different. And I think the companies that are winning are doing exactly what you're saying. They're looking at their talent and they're understanding the talent that they're trying to develop, but they're also looking to try to match them, to put them in a position to be successful. That part of it gets overlooked way too often. It becomes, this is an up and coming manager, whatever that means. And we're going to plug them into this role because it's a leadership role. But what you're suggesting, and I would agree 100%, it takes a real in-depth look at what skill set does that candidate bring to the position and what skill set is needed for the position. You've got to be flexible enough and open enough to say that while maybe this new candidate for the role doesn't have everything that the exiting employee had, they may bring some things to the table that the exiting employee didn't have. And how are you going to take advantage of that and utilize that? I want to build on something that Steve said. Steve, you talked about things you're looking for in the people. What I found really interesting is what you didn't say. You didn't say, I'm looking to see what their sales history is and what sales book that they really like, that they really listen to and so forth. You talked about more characteristics that transcend positions and can be successful in a variety of types of organizations. Because I think that's critical in today's age of trying to attract and hire talent. It's not just, oh, I'm just going to post an ad on LinkedIn or on Indeed, and I'm going to find the people I need. Those can be good sources. I'm not trying to bemoan those as sources, but be thinking to yourself about what do I really care about? Do I care about the fact that this person has or has not dispatched drivers for 10 years? Or do I really care about their communication skills, their organization skills? And you know what? I can teach the trucking stuff. I can't teach the work ethic stuff. I can't teach the communication stuff. I can't teach the organization stuff. Because when you do those things, I think you really can open yourself up to opportunities. I'm curious as to maybe some examples either of you guys can share, but I think of some people I know that are really successful in transportation. When you look at their background, ran a fast food restaurant right out of college for four or five years. 
that worked in their parents' small business all growing up and so forth, didn't grow up around trucking, didn't necessarily go get a transportation degree, although I'm a fan of transportation degrees. I have one and so forth. I think they're great. But I'm curious from your guys' examples, any good stories you can share about this is where we got creative in thinking about a potential candidate and we were handsomely rewarded. This person was fantastic and awesome and on paper probably shouldn't have been. Doug, not enough companies think along those lines. I've got two examples real quick. One is we were trying to find some dispatchers and we just weren't finding the right fit. However, we knew that there was a couple people at a local fast food joint that hit customer service out of the park. And we were able to ask the person over time if they were happy where they're at and we're able to get them through HR, talk to them about getting out of just the fast pace of the fast food industry and into a little more regular customer service role in operations. And it worked out very well. The other one is in looking for future leaders who are having trouble just kind of switching jerseys, if you will, between trucking companies. Well, we were able to find one person that was interested in getting off the retail floor at the local sporting goods store. He was working evenings and weekends and holidays, and we were able to provide a little more stable schedule for him and his family. Well, what we benefited from was his network of people when they saw that he had kind of, I'll say, a little more normal life than just retail sales. And that became a pipeline for people that met what I'll call the three C's, character, competency, and chemistry. So if you can get creative in finding where new applicants come from and then put them and analyze them and see if they fit your culture based on character, competency, and chemistry, you'll have a good hire for the long run. Gary, any you want to add? Yeah, I would concur with what Steve just said. And I think an example from an education standpoint, you mentioned a transportation degree, and I think we all think that's wonderful and we support those that have had transportation degrees. We also look around our industry and we see people that are successful who had no thought of going into transportation at the time they pursued their degree. English majors, mathematics majors, etc. One of the things we found is, is that as we filled our operations floor and staffed our operations floor, we tried to have a mix of a third and a third and a third. And by that, I mean, we had a third of the people that had a high school education. We had a third of the people that had some post-secondary education, a two-year degree from a community college. We had a third of our people that had four-year degrees in varying subjects, various subjects. That worked out to be a good mix for us. And the reason that worked out to be a good mix for us, I think above and beyond anything, is that whether it was the high school grad or the community college grad or the four-year degreed person, we were looking for people skills. And I think that's what Steve's referring to when he's talking about bringing people out of the retail market. If you understand customer service, what that means to me is you understand people and you're good with people. That skill set, if you can find that in people, that can translate into almost any different type of position. By the way, the mix of the three educational experiences, we had leaders that came out of all three. All of our leaders weren't four-year degreed people. Some of our best leaders were folks that had gone to high school, got a job out of high school, and had a degree in experience before they came to work for us. But whether it was high school, community college, or four-year school, all of them had great people skills, and those were the folks that moved up and really helped our organization. 
Those are fantastic examples, guys. And I want to add a couple of points here. First is, as it relates specifically to job descriptions and job postings and so on, I think if we lined up a lot of trucking company leaders, they would agree with everything we just said about being creative in the way you look and how you think about positions and what you look at. But I also bet the majority of transportation companies would have a generic job posting that would say something like four-year degree required or four-year degree encouraged or two to five years of experience and all that kind of stuff. And I would say to yourself, again, look at those job descriptions and those job postings regularly and challenge yourself, why do I really need this? And sometimes you do, but you should be asking yourself, why do you need it? The other thing is this also can help you give yourself a better mix. I like what you just described, Gary, about the third, a third, a third. Not only can that be something that you find on the education level, but they can also be something you find on the demographic level. Now, you're not going to seek out with the quota type system. I'm not suggesting that. But when you think about, I'm looking for these skill sets more than I'm looking for these specific background traits or background facts, you really do open yourself up to being willing to take in and take on and develop people from a wider variety of backgrounds. Let's be blunt here. We are three experienced white guys from the Midwest. One thing that transportation is actually really good at, but doesn't talk about enough is we are a diverse industry. Now, our diversity is more in the shops and on the road than it probably is in the office. And we have some work to do on that. And I go back to how much will our drivers in the industry feel more comfortable with carriers when they know, hey, if I walk into the office, there's people that look like me, sound like me, and so forth. I know that three of us can think of some clients right now that do really well with retention because of that fact, at least because in part of that fact. So I say that all that to mean is, I challenge you transportation folks, transportation leaders to really be thoughtful about how you're going about developing your positions and then looking for people to fill those positions so that we really can improve our benches that we have within our organizations. It's a great industry. We are an industry. You don't have to explain what it is that you do. We're in trucking. We're in logistics. People get that. We are essential. And there's a lot of commentary today about young people entering the workforce want to do something meaningful. It's pretty darn meaningful to deliver medicines and deliver food and deliver products that construction companies need to build houses and all that kind of stuff. We do great stuff in this industry. Let's go out and share that with people and get more people into our industry. So that soapbox aside, let's say that we've got someone coming in, someone interested, and we're starting to interview. Steve, I'm curious from your perspective, you've interviewed a lot of people. I know that you've taught younger managers how to interview. What are some mistakes that you see people make as they enter the interviewing process? And I'm talking about the interviewers, not the candidates. When you are interviewing a candidate, if you approach it from anything more than a conversation, you're going to find yourself just really being almost robotic. You're asking, maybe looking for specific answers. And in today's world, I think people want to be comfortable in the interview and they want to be able to have a conversation. And yeah, you have to talk about the things we mentioned earlier in terms of getting to know the character of the person. Do they have the capacity and the skill sets to perform it? But you really want to make them feel that this is who we are. Talk about your core values. Talk about what some of the growth plans are. Talk about 
how the overall company works together as a team. Take it away from just transportation, picking up stuff and delivering it. That gets pretty boring. Gary, I'm curious from your perspective, what do you like to do as you're interviewing? What are some things that you have found over the years have really helped you be successful? I think there's a couple things. As Steve mentioned, you have to get beyond the technical questions, but I think it's important to have those technical questions answered as well. One of the ways that we tried to interview was we would have multiple people interview the final candidates. In the role that I was in, I would get a chance to try to determine, are they going to be a fit culturally for us? Is this someone that the people that we currently have here are going to want to work with? So that was one role that I could play. The direct manager would get more technical with the questions and make sure that the skill sets were defined and that there was proof that this person had those skill sets. And then I think the last piece of it, which was vitally important, was to have someone on the team that could talk to the prospective employee about the company so that they got their questions answered. Because I think a lot of times the prospective employee can come in and certainly they can talk to the HR hiring manager and get some of those benefit questions and that type of thing answered. But they also want to know, okay, I've talked to the director, I've talked to my direct report, But what kind of place is this really to work at? And I think if you get the right people involved in those three aspects of the interview, you can get a pretty well-rounded feel for whether that's going to be a quality hire or not. Yeah, I think we have to remember that it is a two-way street. It's not just us interviewing them. It is them interviewing us too. We have to be prepared to answer their questions and do a little bit of our own sales pitch. To me, that doesn't mean just making it seem like this is the greatest place in the world. The good employees know wherever they go, there's going to be some tough parts of the job that they don't really love or some parts of the culture they don't really love, but they're going to want the upside and the other parts of it that they really do love. Obviously, you want to spend more time talking about your strengths, but it is okay to maybe point out where, hey, you know what? If this is something that's critical to you, this may not be the greatest place for you because of this reason or that reason and so forth. Have those conversations. Gary, I know something you and I talk a lot about is expectations exchange. The interview really is your initial expectations exchange. So the people are trying to get as clear of you as possible of what the candidate as well as what the employer is like. Yeah, it definitely is. Well, I'm going to repeat a little bit about what you just said, but that's a chance for the prospective candidate to walk out the door having a good feel and a good understanding of this is what this company is really like versus, and I think we've all been in these interviews where you talk to people from companies and they make it sound like it's the perfect place to work. As that good candidate is starting to reflect and say, I've got a couple options. Where do I want to go to work? You're going to have more success bringing them in if they feel like you've presented a completely honest appraisal of how it is, how it really is, what that day in the life of the worker looks like. And that's where you roll in that expectations exchange. Here's what's going to be expected of you in that position. And here's what you should expect from the company in order to have support to be successful in that position. So I think what we're hitting on here is the need to be thoughtful and plan a little bit as you go into the interview process. You really don't want to wing it and just say, oh, I think they should talk with Dave for a little bit. I think they should go talk with Susie for a little bit. Be thoughtful about who they spend time with and whose opinion you want to include. And also be mindful in the sense of, I go back to how competitive today's market is for good talent. 
You can't have a interview process that takes six weeks to make decisions. You can't have seven rounds of interviews and so forth. Maybe there was a time when you could do that stuff. I'm not saying you have to make decisions after one interview. You have to figure out what works for your organization. And it will differ depending on the role and so on. There's a difference between hiring the CEO and hiring a dispatcher. But there needs to be some structure so I can look for this this amount of technical ability and these amount of values and characteristics and so on, how am I going to get that assessment in the most efficient amount of time? And then get those people together that were part of that process and make your decisions so that you can get people engaged. Because unfortunately, what you do see a lot of times now is even though the offer is extended, the offer is seemingly accepted, you still have work to do. I do know that we still see some clients occasionally, unfortunately, think they have somebody and it falls through the cracks. Gary and Steve, any advice you might give to someone out there who is looking to make sure, hey, this is the person, we've extended the offer, how do I get them here? How do I get them here on their first day and working? Through the interview process, One of the things that I try to make very clear is that whether it's our company or whatever company you choose to work for, work should be four things. A place where you can grow professionally, place where you can grow personally, place where you can stay challenged, and a place where you can have fun. And if those four things could be answered on both sides of the table, I think it's a pretty easy decision as to whether we've got a good hire or this is a good organization to work for. I truly love that. So when we know we've got that person, we know we've got that person that fits that bill and that person thinks they're going to be able to answer yes on those four things. Gary, how do we make sure they show up? You keep recruiting. Think of it this way. When the person says that they're coming to work for you, that's their verbal commitment. At some point, they're going to either sign a contract or they're going to show up for work on the first day if there is no contract. That's what you're trying to get to. So one of the things that we would do is we'd extend an offer. And when the offer was accepted, let's say that the candidate told us, I'm accepting your offer. I've got to give my two-week notice to my current employee. We would continue to reach out. We would do things like send flowers to their spouse. If there was company shirts, we would send company shirts to the husband and the wife. If there was a child in the family, we might send a toy truck out to one of their kids. But we did something really in the big picture of things doesn't cost you very much to send something like that out and to get not only the new employee firmly committed to the organization, you're also getting the family committed. The family realizes, oh, my husband or my wife is now going to work for that company. The kids realize, hey, mom or dad now works for that company. So that's kind of their new team. You continue to talk to them. You continue to reach out to them. You mail some things to them to remind them of the fact that, hey, you're now on our team. And within a couple of weeks, they show up and they're excited and their family's excited. Most companies don't do that type of thing. They don't follow up. So that makes you a little bit unique and they feel good about going to work there. Yeah, I agree with that. At the end of the day, you just keep recruiting and keep engaging, helping them engage with you. There's some legalities there and so forth in terms of some timing on some things. And we're not going to get too much into that right now, but I love your examples, Gary, because I think that makes a lot of sense. Those are pretty simple things. Even if you don't necessarily want to spend the money on the stuff, the sheer fact of sending an email, hey, how you doing? How was the weekend? Can't wait to see you next Monday. 
just continuing that conversation, continuing to engage, maybe forwarding over an industry news item or something like that. Saw this in the news. Can't wait to have you join the team and help us solve this problem or whatever the case would be is. I think that type of stuff really gets them thinking, hey, I'm joining something here. And this is going to be fun. This is going to be exciting. So let's say we do have the person signed on. They are showing up. It's going to be on Monday and we're all excited. How do we get off to a good start? I'm not saying how do we guarantee this is going to be a 10-year successful relationship, but how do we at least make sure we get off to a good start for those first three months, six months, and first year or so on? Steve, I guess any thoughts there? When you've joined organizations or when you've brought people into your organizations, what are some things that you liked that you did? And I guess also, what are some things that you've seen done that that was not a good way to start? What I've seen that works is making sure you're prepared to welcome a new employee. And that's some of the details. That's getting down to their workstation, their office. Where are they going to be spending their time? Make sure it's clean. Make sure there are pencils, staplers, tape, whatever they need. The computer is ready to go. One of the things I've seen that frustrates new employees is when IT either didn't get the word or didn't get the work done to make sure that the computer was ready so that we could show the new employee how to log in and just get going on email. The other thing is to have a very clean and specific training itinerary. Have a calendar, if you will, for the first two weeks at least so they know what they're doing every day. You've already contacted the different departments that they'll be interacting with so that everyone knows they can welcome this new employee, they can be prepared for the training that's involved and how to interact with that employee so that it can ultimately affect your customers and your business and compress the learning curve that takes place with anyone that's new to the organization. Yeah, I think something that you hit on earlier, Gary, is you talk a lot about, hey, sometimes if you have the pain, you got to get the pain fixed. You have to get it addressed. But to Steve's point about that first two weeks and having an itinerary, it is critical to make sure you don't make your pain the employee's pain too early, that you do give them a moment to breathe. And do they have all their benefits paperwork taken care of? Have they gotten that? Do they have their answers and all that kind of stuff? Do they know some of the little things within our culture? Are you a culture of your meeting starts at 8 a.m.? Are you a culture of your meeting is at 8 a.m. and it starts at 8.10? Do they know those parts of the culture? Do they know how your business works? Have they gotten exposed to that stuff before you really just say, okay, you need to solve this pain for us, Joe? Yeah, and I think especially the peers to that position, they've got to make time for the new person. Because sometimes what you see happen is, is everybody's busy. Everybody's got their own things that they're trying to solve that day. Now you bring this new person and the new person's all excited about being with the company. They're ready to get going. They can't wait to meet Joe, who's going to be their peer in this role. And then they get introduced to Joe and Joe's obviously got 54 things on his plate and he's distracted and really gives them no time and says, well, can we get to that tomorrow? And pretty soon that whole schedule that Steve mentioned blows up and it's not followed. And it doesn't take very long for that new employee to have some doubt about what kind of organization did I join? I think so often the new person, whether it's an addition to the staff or whether it's a replacement for someone exiting, that should be seen as a positive. 
help is coming. We've got another able body here that's going to help us solve problems and get the work done every day. And instead, we get frustrated that we're busy ourselves and we don't spend enough time welcoming the new person and really making sure that we remember what it's like to be the new person. Really what you're getting at there is be a little bit empathetic. Be empathetic to the situation. Make time for people because if you don't make time for them then, you're not going to make time for them later on and really you're just punishing yourself. You're going to feel that pain. So let's kind of wind it down here, guys. I've really enjoyed the discussion. I want to circle back to our first point, which is at this time of year, there is some evaluation of your people on a broad scope, maybe not necessarily an individual person because you might do your reviews at other times of the year, whatever, but you probably are looking at some amount of budgeting and planning for your team for next year. If you're a transportation leader, if you're a trucking leader right now, and you're thinking about your people for 2023, give me one or two things that jump out at you that this is something I hope we improve upon when it comes to finding, recruiting, and hiring talent for our organization. Steve, why don't you go first? The first thing that comes to mind is something we almost touched on earlier, and that is working with people that are not going to ghost you. And that boils down to making sure you find the right type of person and how do they fit in. That's one thing that is frustrating almost every trucking company that I talk to is they feel they've had a good interview process. They've even made the offer and it's been accepted and then they hear nothing. So how do we get over that? That's one of the things that I think we need to focus on. Not sure we can solve that today, but be aware of it. I love the engaging, continue to engage them throughout that process. Gary, same question to you. I think it's a situation where we've got to make sure that we understand the need. What are we trying to do with the hire? Is it a replacement and we're okay with things being the way they have been in that role for the last five years? Is it an improvement over what we've been doing in that role? And being very clear within our organization, what our expectations of this person are in that role. I think sometimes we just say, well, we need a person. We got to fill that spot. We had a director of customer service leave. We got to find a director of customer service. I think it's much more important now than ever for us to focus on what is it that we want that role to be, clear expectations, what skills do we need in order to be successful in that role, and really focus on not just hiring a person because that's the temptation. We got to get somebody in here, not just hiring a person and filling the empty chair, but hiring someone and putting them in a position where they can be successful for our organization. Yeah. And I will build off that for my last takeaway is be thoughtful, be thoughtful in your job design, be thoughtful in your interview process, be thoughtful in the way you go attract people so that you can get some new blood, some different blood, some different viewpoints, and really kind of keep developing your organization and helping you hit whatever goals you have. Be thoughtful. Don't be focused on, I just need somebody in that seat because we're not getting this done. Don't get me wrong. There needs to be urgency. You can be urgent and thoughtful rather than just rushed and get it done. So I would encourage our listeners out there, be thoughtful, be urgent, but be thoughtful. So thank you guys for joining us. Wishing you guys very much a happy Thanksgiving. Wishing our listeners a happy Thanksgiving. More than anything, be safe out there, everyone. And until next time, look forward to talking to you.